it's good to see you guys. How how is the um, how's the tour going? Great. Yeah, man. It's uh, always amazing seeing meeting new fans and putting Dave in costume and seeing him interact with people and seeing their either extreme delight or horror. <laughs> it's usually horror. horror. Now, it's, now, David, how long does it take to to don the costume? Uh, originally it took about three to four hours, but now it takes about an hour. We've really gotten it down to a science. And when I say we, I mean, Damien has, <laughs> I just sit there. <laughs> is, is the teeth, is that a part of, is there a mask? No, they're dentures. I mean, that, yeah. Oh. yeah. You have to hold your, your face in a very terrible position for all the time. Oh, it's a good thing. My face is made of rubber. <laughs> yes. I yeah. thought it was a mask. Nope. Oh, oh, rubber, rubber, rubber. oh, oh. <laughs> you should, you should have uh, taken the Jim Carrey rubber face roll. I know. I know. I wish I had nearly as much money as he has too. <laughs> you know, it's opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially now that he's going a little bit cuckoo. Face? <laughs> you know, I I just think he's very involved. I think. I think so too. I think he's just on a different wavelength than everybody else right now. I, I, I think he's like transcended to a different mentality than the rest of us. I'm like, dude, this is a new paradigm <laughs> for yeah. sure. I'm like, dude, I like Andy Kaufman too, but yeah, let's take it easy. I, I think something happened when he was inside of that rhino's butt. <laughs> something just happened. He was born again, and it just. <laughs> Literally would, born again. I would, I would be. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So what? What? How did you want to kick off? Because I I have a weird thing for for Damien up top. Okay, do your weird. So thing. we can knock out the weird. Yeah, thing. I kind of want to oh, briefly thing. touch on everything chronologically because who know the way the trajectory of their career with this franchise is going. We're not going to get them back. So I kind of want to touch everything. <laughs> okay. Well, what, whatever you need to do, but uh, <laughs> I, I did have a, I did have a very, uh, just I, not even so much a question, but okay. just, just, I, I just a, a sort of a wink to Damien that I, I know what's going on, okay? Because the movie that Damien did the special effects for, now Damien, please correct me if I'm wrong, because I only have the internet, you know, and we all know the internet, it's a double-edged sword, my friend. So, okay. you know, could be wrong here. But uh, the movie that you did before you did your the first Terrifier um, was uh, Laugh Killer Laugh. Is yes. that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And that is directed by uh, Kamal from the Jerky Boys. Yeah, he's a close friend of mine. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. See, that's what I bring to the show, Russell. Okay. I bring the Jerky Boys. You have a follow-up? <laughs> No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna see him uh, tomorrow night. Actually, well, tell him, tell him that I'm a fan, and we will love to have him on the show. Oh, I will. He will. I, yeah. I, I hope he does. I hope he comes up. Awesome. You flipped see? out. You flipped out. out. And wow. I just booked a guest. Oh my yeah. god! Ooh, double time today. <laughs> You're an idiot. Okay. Now, I, I wasn't joking. I would like to briefly touch on things. So, David, bear with me as we go through All Hallows Eve. Er. But, um, Sorry, so, bad no. joke. <laughs> Dude, I'm constantly digging through bad jokes over here. I'm <laughs> anyway, I help out. So brief history. Um, me and Oksana ran a blog for a long time called The Overlook Theater. And part of that was we would go to a record store out here and we'd buy used horror movies. And I believe we told Damien this uh, when we saw him at Sinister Creature Con. But Oksana had found a DVD used with a slipcover. And uh, the the image was so striking that, you know, at this point, we already had a stack of shit. We always spend like $200 there. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Get it. And, it, and it, of course, it was this DVD of All Hallows Eve. And it has this beautiful slip cover. And I don't know. As a horror fan, you kind of learn to stay away from clowns. I don't know why. It's kind of a lazy narrative for a screenwriter to use. Like, throwing a clown and people are, it's built in scary. And uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll say the bar is very low going into this film. And then we watched it. And, you know, honestly, I think it's one of my most treasured, not only anthology films, but Halloween films. And you, you touched on a bunch of things that are close to us. Um, we run a found footage 
film festival. It's all we do. The unnamed footage fest. It's only Blair Witch style in-world camera movies. And one of the things I've always tried to work in, or I've always imagined working in, is traditional narrative films that deal with the topic of found footage. And in All Hallows' Eve, the VHS tape that uh, terrorizes a, you know, family, it's just, it's so perfect in there. And I've, I've always thought about trying to, like, open it up, particularly for a movie like this. And, uh, Damien, I'm just curious, like, what started you on this journey with All Hallows' Eve? That's an interesting one because I never wanted to make All Hallows' Eve. Um, I had made a short film called The Ninth Circle, which was art's introduction. And I then years later, I made Terrifier, which because when I made The Ninth Circle, everybody I showed that to was like, dude, you got to do more stuff with that clown. He looks so friggin' cool. There's a lot more to explore there. So I was like, yeah, I mean, I agree. I'll make you know another one. And now I'll make a longer short film that kind of is, is the, as a showcase for this character. And now I turned him into a slasher. And, you know, I submitted it to a couple of film festivals. Um, people liked it, but nothing crazy. And then this was around 2011, I think. So I threw it on YouTube and it was just hanging out on YouTube for maybe five months, something like that. It was for the time. And, you know, it's a 20 minute short horror film with nothing behind it. It was getting like close to 200,000 views and people were really digging it. And all of a sudden I got contacted by this producer, um, and he said, hey, I'm making this horror anthology called All Hallows Eve, and I'm trying to find Halloween-based short films on YouTube. And uh, he said, I love your clown in this short film. Like, he just looks so cool. I want to put him on the box. And uh, you know, I, I just want to use this short. And, uh, but he was trying to find other filmmakers and other Halloween shorts. And I said, hey, you know, if you like this clown, I had this other short film called The Ninth Circle. And the clowns at the beginning of that. I said, if you give me a couple more bucks, you know, we can maybe shoot another story and a wraparound and you don't have to look for other filmmakers. It'll be, you know, I could run the whole movie. And he graciously agreed to let me do that. And I remember telling him, like, look, this isn't what I want to do with this character. I was like, you have to let me retain the rights to Art the Clown because eventually I want to make this Terrifier short film into a feature film. And he was like, yeah, no problem. And we went and made the movie. I mean, that whole VHS idea was actually his idea because he was he was trying to make the movie VHS, you know, the, the series VHS was popular at the time. And he was basically just trying to make a low budget VHS knockoff, more or less. So I had to figure out a way to work this VHS angle into the movie. Um, so that I mean, that was, you know, it was my opportunity at a time, you know, I was like, delivering flowers. Nobody was giving me money to make movies or anything like that. I was just making short films basically as a hobby. Um, and I said, uh, you know, this is my first opportunity to make something. Somebody would pay me a little bit of money and this movie would end up in, you know, Walmart and things like that. So I said, there's no way I could pass this up, but I never wanted art, the clown to be involved in this sort of, you know, anthology film. That was never my idea. It was just the opportunity presented to me at the time. Dude, it's an incredible, like, kind of foundation for the character, though. And yeah. I, 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 I promise not to talk too much about found footage, but one of the things that I think is completely overlooked is the, like, haunted artifact aspect. Like, if you buy a DVD from an indie distribution, like a dude who just made a movie, like if I bought it directly, like All Hallows Eve, from you on Instagram, there's an opportunity to, to say that I just bought this found footage movie, which is claiming to be real, like it's an ARG in effect, and I bought it from the guy who made it, which in most cases, you know, the filmmaker is now dead or is producing snuff films. So there's an there's an opportunity to make the thing I'm holding part of the movie. And in All Hallows Eve, you kind of did that with art, where the family's watching a videotape from a killer or right. from an entity. And I just I, I don't know. I don't think I've ever seen that in anything else. Like the ring is kind of like that, but yeah. not directly. Because it feels like once they put in that VHS tape, now they were connected with art in a way that um, wasn't going to end well. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, it captured my imagination, man. And I, you know, we root for indie horror here. It's mostly what we talk about. And that's like a prime example. Because what was the budget you were working with? Oh, my God. I mean, that's trying because well because the the shorts were made separately uh time you know five yeah. years apart i would say 
Terrifier. I think I maxed out a credit card to make the Terrifier short film for $4,000. I think the Ninth Circle cost about $6,000 because we shot it on film. That was actually, that was instead of me going to film school, my mother said, I'll give you money to make this short film because I was like, oh, this will be my calling card and I'll submit this to festivals and hopefully it gets my name out there. So so that's why. So that's you know, $10,000. And then I think he gave me, the producer of All Hallows Eve gave me maybe another $10,000 to shoot the other stuff. So 20 grand. <laughs> so God. All what about that sweet, sweet flower delivery money? Oh, man. <laughs> only enough, only enough for food here and there. That was it. It doesn't grow on trees. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, man, what a, uh, I, you know, I'm trying to figure out the best way to put this, but when you say, you know, I, I was going to work on a movie, is there any aspect of All Hallows Eve that you didn't touch? I feel like you did everything from direct, write, edit, special effects. Like, did you act in it? That might be the only thing you didn't uh, do. No, I didn't act in it. I, I don't do any of the cinematography in my films. So, yeah, there's always a cinematographer. All Hallows Eve had like five cinematographers on that movie, just from all the different short films and the wraparound and everything. We just, but luck- luckily, I met my, uh, my close friend now, my co producer, George Stuber, on All Hallows Eve, and he has subsequently shot both terrifiers um so that's that was like probably the best thing to come out of all hallows eve for sure how, um, how many people played art the clown in all hollows just one that was my friend mike gianelli yeah all right and then you guys got into a fight and you said when we go feature it's not gonna be you basically <laughs> no no no, <not> really. <laughs> no i um you know look he was just a a, a friend of mine who was not an actor um and when I was learning how to do special effects and I would just use him as my guinea pig because he was always hanging out with me. So I would put bullet holes on his face and I would make prosthetics to glue on him. And then when it was time to make this movie, I already had his head cast. And I said, dude, I have this killer clown character. I want to make a prosthetic for it. I said, would you play him? He doesn't have any dialogue. He just sort of has to smile and you know, just freak with this, you know, mess with this woman. Uh, you could definitely pull it off. And he, uh, you know, he agreed. And then it started taking off. And I'm like, ah, oh, you know, people want us to make another one. Let's make this, you know, let's make a 20 minute version of you as this killer clown. And then he got roped into doing that. And then it's like, hey, this guy wants to make, turn, you know, incorporate these into an anthology. We got to pad it out and we got to put you in this babysitter situation now, you know, and it's like more and more it started happening. And then when Terrifier finally came around it was years later and he had gotten a little heavier and i always wanted art the clown to be very slim <laughs> yeah and that was that was a big part of it i said dude if we're gonna do this uh, i need you to you know exercise you gotta drop some pounds you know I'll, I'll that's do a nice it. compliment to you david <laughs> yeah yeah well he even says that to me he's like david you're getting fat you gotta exercise <laughs> <laughs> well it's important i mean art art is way creepier when he's thin there's yeah, there's I, no- I, I feel like I'm in ballet classes where they're like, you got to starve yourself. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You have an exercise bike right behind you. <laughs> but it wasn't even, listen, it wasn't even so much the, uh, the weight. It was just that he's not an actor and he didn't like going through all those hours in the makeup chair. And now you're talking about, this isn't a short film anymore. This is a month of filming. And Art the Clown is essentially in almost every you know frame of Terrifier. He's really like the star of that movie. So yeah. it's going to require a lot of dedication. And, you know, at first he said he was going to do it. And then two days later, he contacted me and said he thought about it and he can't really go through it anymore. So, you know, we're still very close. We just, you know, we parted ways in the filmmaking world, but we're still very close. And then I had to go and find somebody else. And I found this character over here. So you had to, you had to find a, uh, a non-fat actor non-fat actor like non-fat yogurt non-fat that's actor. it yeah. non-fat actor i make you fart too so yeah there you go i could i could imagine you casting art and you have a art oh it's fart the clown oh god yep uh, i mean yeah. in the uh in the audition must be tall and thin or something like that <laughs> i don't know yep. if you yeah i think i did yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it literally as i said they needed a tall skinny actor so yeah. Now, now, David, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Huntsville, Alabama. Okay, David. Okay, that's very Uh-oh. interesting because my mother's maiden name is Thornton. 
Uh-huh. So I was just wondering, you know, where brother. about's uh, Where's your brother? You're, listen, well, if you're, like, you're related to George Washington, you're yeah. definitely related to this. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's true. It's just like the, the Thornton family married the Washingtons. Well, a Thornton signed the Declaration of Independence. Yes, Matthew Thornton. Yep. Yes, that's our that's our Thornton. Okay, we're related then. Yeah. If it's a bit, no, it's a hundred percent a fact. Yeah. Oh, the Thornton family is like so. You're, you're probably related to uh, um, William Thornton. That, that means you're related to the Queen of England too. Oh, I'm royal. Yeah. The, the, this, the Thornton family tree goes all the way back to Charlemagne. Things are looking up. See, here's, David, yeah. here's the thing. We're royalty no bitches. One, no one in my family does any research. No one gives yeah. a shit. So I don't know anything. Yeah. Well, my, 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 my dad and my aunt did a whole bunch of research going into the Thornton side of the family. So All right, send that over, please. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. It's like there are so many presidents related to um, our common ancestor, William. He was William the immigrant that came over in the early 1600s. And he's he's related to all that royalty throughout England and Scotland and all throughout Europe, you know, William the Conqueror, all that. It was just like yeah, it's like we're related to Lewis and Clark, you know, <laughs> James Madison, all these but yeah, it's like but the Thorntons directly married into the the Washingtons, like uh George's older brother Augustine, his daughter Jane married Colonel John Thornton. And that's comes straight down to me. Damn. So I'm, I'm probably the closest you can be to being related to George Washington. Because Washington, uh, George and Martha never had kids. Now, did he have the wooden teeth? Because I heard he did. Yeah. yeah but did. they were actually, they were, they're not really wooden. They were actually made from the, the teeth of his slaves. Is yes, that, that, that is what I heard. Because yeah. it was, he had like wooden splints or something. Yes. It was, yeah. 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 Oh, what a terrible time to be alive! Oh, yeah, it's just like it's <laughs> it's really crazy when you look into this kind of stuff. It's just now, like now, yeah. Now, Damien, is that something you've looked into? You know, <laughs> filling in Art's mouth with slave teeth. <laughs> <laughs> is that something you thought of? Not yet, Jesus! Now the <laughs> wheels are turning. Oh my God, that's terrible! Don't act like that's not a direction that you know we could we could maybe go down. Who knows? <laughs> Dark enough already. You gotta work that in. Man almighty. I, how, how much how much fake blood was spilled in this production? Which we one? Lost track. Gallons. God. Gallons now, do you yeah. have do you have a go-to blood formula or do you you mix it up depending on Yeah, no, that's a that's a good question, man. Um I try and um I try and buy it all because there's just amazing fake blood out there right now. I, I use oh, this uh blood primarily uh, this brand, Robert Smith, uh, very realistic. It's very expensive blood, but um, it's just the consistency, the color is phenomenal. But uh, I can't always get that because that's actually from the UK. Um, Ooh, so it depends. There's a lot of good brands, but sometimes I have to add other things into the blood to get it to my liking. A lot of times I have to add um, dish detergent because that a lot of times when you're using silicone prosthetics, the blood will everything will bead off of silicone. So it'll turn into little, you know, little balls of blood, but you need it to really kind of like sink in and have that saturated look. And the only way to do that is you have to mix some dish detergent into it. So you'll always see me pouring sud- there's suds everywhere and shit. Uh, so, yeah. It tastes horrible when it's with that <laughs> dish soap. You're like, oh. if it goes in your eye, it stings like a motherfucker. Yeah, we don't put that in actors' mouths, but you might get hit with it. In the, uh, you know, it does spray yeah. around a lot. Yeah, because otherwise, isn't uh, corn syrup a, a big uh, player in that role? Yeah, yeah, it's still it's um, Cairo syrup. Yeah, corn syrup. Yeah, it's still, oh uh, yeah, it tastes way better. It's still oh, yeah. It's yeah. Put it on my French toast. I'm a happy boy. That's right. <laughs> it was uh, there was actually a kill in part two where I specifically wanted the blood to look like uh, sort of '70s era blood, which is True. very very bright and very opaque. Um, so I was mixing all kinds of weird shit. I mean, uh, Bloody Mary mix and some uh, some uh, strawberry syrup and uh, milk, like powdered milk, just trying to get not you know get it opaque. All kinds of weird stuff to finally get it to look like a paint. 
that still yeah. looked like blood though. So that was, that was interesting. I did it in the uh, costume shop kill specifically. I wanted that blood to look like that. Oh, I did not know that. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now back on the chronological track, because yeah. I'm not done bragging a, of about how much me and Oksana are fans here. I take things naturally. <laughs> I know. You, you can fire right now. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Do you, the, I'm rounding the bases right now. I know. I'm, I'm, happy <laughs> I'm done. You can take it. So, okay. After All Hallows Eve, then we get into crowdfunding territory. And we're raising money for Terrifier. What, what made you want to go that direction? Uh, nobody would give me money to make it. Really? <laughs> After yeah. I... Because, you know, we watch a lot of indie horror and All Hallows Eve just stands out oh, like in every aspect. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm shocked that nobody would like believe no. in you, especially when you did every part of that movie. Yeah, no, man, it's been a really difficult uh, journey to get these movies made. So after All Hallows Eve, I reached back out to the producer and I said, hey, man, I still want to make that standalone Art the Clown movie, Terrifier. And he went and spoke to distributors and companies that he knew and he tried to see if he, anybody was interested and he came back to me and he said literally said listen the the word i keep getting is clowns can't sell a movie and and uh and i said i said all right um and this was at the time where already rumors were coming out that it was going to be remade and i knew that rob zombie was making 31 mm -hmm. so i specifically told him i said you know, I think clowns are going to blow up, man. I mean, I, you know, this is, you know, big budget it and uh, Rob Zombie's tackling clowns and everything's cyclical. I, I think this is the time for killer clowns. But he, you know, I couldn't get money from him. And then uh, I really wanted to make the movie. So I said, we'll try crowdfunding it. And it didn't get any traction, really, um, as far as I remember. I think we raised a couple of bucks. But, uh, Nobody, you know, we didn't have the fan base. All Hallows Eve didn't have a big enough fan base yet. And just by chance, I was sending that, um, I was sending that link, the Indiegogo link to like everybody I knew, everybody in my emails. And I wound up sending it to my now partner producer, Phil Falcone, because I'd worked with him on his first movie um, doing special effects. And uh, I said, hey, dude, if you know anybody, I'm trying to raise money, you know, just send this to them. And if they want to contribute, great. And he's like, what are you trying to do? What are you looking to raise? And I was like, I don't know, like 30 grand. And he's like, immediately, he's like, if that's all you're looking for, he's like, I'll throw you the money. He's like, but I want to be, it was like that, dude. And I was, he's like, I just want to learn how you do all this special effects. I want to hang out with you while you're making it. If I can learn anything and you can teach me. And I was like, yeah, of course. And like literally the next day he gave me the money and we were off and running making Terrifier. Holy so he shit. Was the, he's the unsung hero that I continue to sing his praises because people don't even realize he is by my side through every step of production, pre-production, production, and post-production. And he's, he's literally become my makeup assistant. So basically he and I built everything on Terrifier 2, almost everything. I mean, he knows how to mold now. I'll let him sculpt some things. Even he like it's 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 pretty amazing. So he's like my hero, honestly. It's pretty pretty amazing. Man, you know? it's it's crazy because crowdfunding, it's such a like I don't know. You got to have a built-in audience, or it's kind of like a superficial thing. Like if you can make a cool page, you can make money. No. Yeah. And I remember when your when your Kickstarter started, or I think you did Indiegogo. I think um, it was a whole time was Indiegogo. Yeah. Like this is how long ago it was. Just for context for people. Me and Oksana were, of course, we're good horror fans, so we're materialist. And we, we were buying up all these Funko Pop pieces of shit. God, I hate those damn things. They're, they're <laughs> everywhere in the room. They're behind Clark right now. What do you do with these? It, they're the beanie baby yeah, of that's our not era. my shit. What's the reverse of, st that's unstolen <laughs> non-valor. Yeah, you can have it back. And I bring this up because, of course, we were a huge All Hallows Eve fan. And we were shocked. They were the only people that went for the custom Funko Pop that you offered. So we have this fucking thing. I'll oh, that's you, awesome. Dude, it's, we're that the is, only ones who did it. It's, and that's I, very I, rare now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> dude, and thank you for that. Please yeah. do not ruin our collector market. It looks yeah. We're, we're going to try and buy a house when the economy corrects. Only <laughs> 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 our art clown. Yeah. No. And I'm not joking. When we got that, I mean, okay, we didn't know what to expect. And the kick, it didn't do great, the crowdfunding. Right. So we're yeah. like, uh, I don't know if he'll even remember. And we didn't want to harass. So we're like, but when we got that, we're like, holy shit, this is better than any 
of these fucking Funko Pops that they're still making. And to this day, it's one, like, I mean, we collect a lot of junk. It's one of the only things that we still get DMs about, where people are like, how much you want for that? And it's like, we're not selling this shit. Are you kidding me? Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Hang on to it, because I I, I don't have a lot of time to make those anymore. (laughs) Yeah. Good. Yeah. You know, you know what? I'm going to stop touching it now. What uh, What have people offered you? I'm, we don't need to get into that. Just saying, <laughs> not, not enough. Um, no, we can increase the value is, right now is what I'm saying. See, you're not a business <laughs> mind, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to short the clown over oh here, God. dude. Here, here's the thing. It's, you know, what I'm trying to build here is that that romantic story that we all have in high school when you have a band that nobody knows about. And it's like, I got a shirt. And I fucking love this thing. And I want people to love it, but not that much because it's my thing. And then, you know, me and Clark, I think we started this podcast around five years ago. Six. And we were working together at the time. We literally celebrated our sixth anniversary last month. And this is this. <laughs> I'm bad with dates. And this Confirmed. is. This Someone's is how- sleeping on the couch tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, from, from this movie that we got used at Amoeba, it turns into a. East Bay rapper friend of ours, I believe his name is F and Benji. Yeah. Came up to us one day and was like, Hey dude, I gotta be on the podcast. And we're like, Why? Do you even watch horror movies? And he's like, Yeah, I watched Turifer. And we're like, <laughs> What? What is that? And he was like, Turifer, man, with the clown. And me and Clark are looking at each other like, Holy shit, you watch Terror Fire? And it's like, that was the moment we knew that, you know, Netflix now had this. And Turfer. Man, it changed. And also, I, I can only think of your film as Turf. <laughs> turf. 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 I like it. I Sounds like, you know, like Rick Grimes from, like, you know, Walking Dead. Hey, Carl, <laughs> let's watch Turf. Carl! Carl! <laughs> and, folks, Damien, you know, as, you know, whenever you're a, uh, an indie horror fan and you get to see a movie increase the budget, it doesn't always work out well. Yet, I felt like it kept what was true about All Hallows Eve, like kind of like a nihilist point of view, a beautiful character in art. And, you know, pairing it with David, man, I really, I didn't know how you could make that character better. But David, I don't know what you brought to it, but you brought something. <laughs> and he became more terrifying. And I don't know, man, all I can say is congratulations from for Terrifier. Because you oh, really, you did you. something in pop culture that I thought couldn't happen. And as horror fans, we always look back and we're like, well, in the 20s, we had, you know, the Pantheon, which was the universal horror monsters. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then in the 80s, we had another Pantheon. And that's it. Like from that, from Freddy, Jason, Michael, nobody can ever get in that club. No. And then Art, Mm -hmm. you did it, man. And I don't, I don't know how many other directors you made angry, but (laughs) you, you cracked the zeitgeist. You're in there now. And I don't think you can be forgotten, which is a hard thing to do in the age of streaming. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't, congratulations, man. You're there. That's a huge problem. Especially since there's so many other killer clowns out there too. There's so many of them. Sure. In, in space, out of space. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's talk about clowns for a minute. I, um, I got into clowns. (laughs) Oh yes, you did. We've talked to clowns on here before. We have, but I bought a book on clowns and you know, clowns are weird because people, (laughs) They claim to be scared of them. And the author of this book, uh, like, does anyone look up the name of that book? I can't remember it. But he was making an argument that you're not scared of the clown. You're scared of. I think I've read the same book. Okay. And the other thing he was pushing was that, you know, clowns are truth tellers and they have Mm -hmm. been forever. And, you know, I think about that a lot when I'm watching art. And I'm like, that's the only part of it that I don't know if it works for me. Unless, Damien, you're a complete nihilist. And your truth is life is pain. Because <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know what else art is telling us. It yeah. can be. It can be, especially if you run into art. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I say that all the time. People say uh, sometimes as a criticism, you know, these movies are very mean spirited. And I say, you know, I'm not mean spirited. I don't intend for the movie to be mean spirited, but art is very mean spirited. Mm-hmm. I mean, this character, even though he's he's fun, and you know, you might even feel weird because people enjoy seeing how much fun he has doing it. It's almost his fun is infectious. But when it comes time to actually, you know, sadistically tear people apart, I mean, it is. We always go back to the root of this character has to be 
cold, evil, sadistic. And, you know, that's something I spoke to Dave about because it wasn't until Dave became Art the Clown that I decided to inject more sort of clown antics and uh, visually because Dave is so theatrical and animated and he's, you know, his favorite movie is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I mean, he's, he could really embody a Looney Tunes character. And when I saw him start to do that in the pizzeria scene, I said, wow. I said, so this guy could actually make Art the Clown a clown for the first time, whereas Mike Gianelli might as well have just been a guy dressed as a clown. I said, now I have this actor. It was very theatrical, so I could start injecting that into the character. But I always told him, you know, there's going to be times where I want to totally strip the character of that. You know, we'll have him do that, but then I will bring it back. Or sometimes we won't do it at all because I want to keep this unpredictability and this mystique about the character. But, you know, he always has to, at the end of the day, we can't go too far over that line of a jokester or a Looney Tunes character. He has to be this cold, sadistic killer at the end of the day. So it's important. It's a, it's a fine line that we walk and we're very conscious of it. Well, yeah, because it, 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 this raises, um, so, so David, you clearly did research with clowns, right? But when, when, obviously, you know, I say obviously, but I don't know a whole lot about, you know, the, the, the ancient art of clowning, but what I do know is spawned probably from the ancient art of clowning is, you know, physical comedy. So Mm -hmm. I think naturally that, you know, that probably just plays a part in you, right? Just because yes. I see those beats there. And, you know, I, I see just, um, you know, your physicality just sells the whole thing. It sells the horror side of things, but to Damien's side of things, it also sells to the empathetic side. Not even a little bit empathetic, but it's more so of like, we like this guy because if he's charismatic. And so that's the big thing. Um, But, you know, um, but I, you know, we can get into the, but, but anyway, so what I'm saying is, you know, what, what sort of your background with sort of the, you know, the physical comedy side of things? Oh yeah. I mean, I've been a lifelong fan and student, I guess you could say of physical comedy going back to my early childhood. I was watching the old, black and white, you know, Charlie Chaplin, Marx Brothers, all those type of movies, because like my parents and my grandparents love those. And then like my, my aunt gave me a box set of Mr. Bean videos when I was about 12, 13 years old. And I was just like, this is brilliant. I love, I just, I would watch those over and over and over and over and over and over and over. Cause I just love that style of comedy. I thought it was hysterical. And I, I built so much of when I started doing a lot of community theater, especially a lot of children's theater, because kids love physical comedy. I would put a lot of what I saw from those, especially like Rowan Atkinson's performance, of Mr. Bean into what I would do on stage. Cause I wanted to play a character like Mr. Bean eventually one day. Cause I love that silent mischievous character. Love it. And so like my whole life, I've been just, trying to get better and better at doing that and trying to find new inspiration. Like Doug Jones is a great source of inspiration for me. I, I, I'm happy to call him a friend now too. Uh, I was just chatting with him the other day because I was like, Hocus Pocus two just came out. It's like, dude, glad to see you back with Billy again. And I was like, ah, oh, I love watching him just do his thing. And, um, but I, I also was lucky enough because I, I toured with uh, how the Grinch stole Christmas, the musical for five years. And oh, wow. Yeah, and our our Grinch, who was I was the understudy for, was Stefan Carl, who a lot of people know is Robbie Rotten from the show Lazy Town for children. Oh, oh rad, yeah, yeah. And Stefan, well, I'm like, he unfortunately passed away, you know, back in 2018 from cancer. But he was a master at physical comedy and clowning. He actually studied that, and so he. It, it, for the first time in my life, I wasn't just watching someone do that kind of stuff on screen. I was actually able to really get to know that type, that actor and study under them for five years on the road. And he, he gave me so many great tips. Like when I first got cast as art, I contacted him and say, hey, I'm playing this type of character. Because we're both, we kind of bonded over our love for Mr. Bean. And I was like, I'm playing this Mr. Beanish type of character, but he's just evil as fuck. And I, I just want some inspiration here. How, how can I approach this silent character? And he gave me, you know, a lot of tips and everything. And you can probably see a lot of um, Robbie Rotten in my portrayal of uh, 
of Art the Clown. If you, you go back and watch some videos of Lazy Town, you see a lot of the same kind of mannerisms because of like, hey, I'm just, I learned from the best and I just found a way to make it my own. And after all these years, I finally got to play this Mr. Bean type of character, but in a fun, creative new way that's never been done before. Yeah. Man, I can't get past thinking of Art as a cartoon character now. You know, to bring it back to All Hallows Eve, I love in that one short, which, you know, when I originally watched it, it felt almost like it was crowbarred in, but the painting of art appearing right, in right. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for some reason that always stuck with me. Like, it's kind of like, he's like a cursed object or like, you know, if you come in any sort of contact with him, you're, you're doomed. And, you know, in Terrifier, you're right. He's much more of a clown, but now I can't help but think of him as like a Looney Tune. And <laughs> there's something terrifying about, you know, imagine in Roger Rabbit, like guns, there's a lot of gun violence in that movie. But the thing is, like, if you're like the road runner, it doesn't fucking matter. Like, they, they never works. And also, you can't die, which right. the clown kind of shares. He's the victim of a lot of gun violence. Yeah. He just doesn't really care. Yeah. And that's kind of terrifying. Also, especially like to, thinking about the pizza, the pizza place, like he's out there and he's fucking around with these girls. And, you know, like, oh, they're done for. But he's being a clown and you're like, that's, I mean, that's cool. And then what he does in the bathroom, that's not the kind of vulgar thing that you normally run into in a slasher movie. No. Because, you know, we always, we prop up our slasher characters. Like we love Jason, we love Freddy. So, you know, it's interesting when you think of Freddy who has kind of like a, uh, an interesting uh, clouded background with children, right? And in the new one, they really try to push that pedophile thing. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, fecal matters up there too. Like, I, I would never think of uh, Michael Myers playing with poop. No, right, right, art, art, yeah. right. And it's art right off it's the bat. Huge. That's a huge part of it because I—that's one of the things that makes art original to me. I love making him do ordinary, mundane things that we do every day that we take for granted that you don't think twice about. But when you see this character do it. It's all of a sudden sort of riveting, or it could be, um, you know, in part two, him take just drinking water from a sink. It turns into a horrifying scene for, for a character, you know? And, and it's, again, it's things you don't typically see. You will never see these characters do. You don't, you'll never see Jason stop to take a drink or Michael Myers, or you'll never think about them going to the bathroom no. or, you know, taking their clothes off, seeing them naked. You know, those are other things I do. For with art that just separates him and it makes him more human and it, it lets the audience in a little more and relate to him a little more who hasn't been naked in a laundromat <laughs> <laughs> i've been there i, I literally <laughs> have <laughs> just think of that in context though because so you know in that in that pivotal scene in the beginning of terrifier when he vandalizes the bathroom with fecal matter it, you know, if you're thinking about he's it, he's a scat man. Well, you're thinking, was yeah, that he's a, he's a shardist? <laughs> <laughs> I think David won that one. Mine has musical You know, did he defecate? And also, if you want to com- compare him to like cartoon characters or even like Mr. Punch as like an early clown. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, these aren't punch. lines that you would connect, right? So he I don't. He kind of even looks like Punch. He does. When you think about it. And. You know, as somebody who thinks way too much about, you know, here's here's the tragic thing about being an indie horror fan. You tend to learn that a lot of the filmmakers are more concerned with, like, how hard it is to make a movie. And I understand. But at the end of the day, when when we trick them into being on this show and we ask them probing questions about the history of clowns, they usually don't have a lot to say about it. (laughs) But, you know, art, just the character design, he's black and white, he's silent. It's like, are we doing an old film? throwback here or is it just because we're watching a movie that we kind of crave this connection and you're not we're not getting it like we can never really like because you know what's iconic about freddy's is his voice and it's like we're never allowed that with art no so yeah I but don't, art's got a face oh yeah and oh, it's very punch face. the clown which isn't a good thing if you know anything about early clowning yeah, damien did you monkey around with the uh, art's makeup at the beginning or you settled in pretty early with it Oh, that, that was the same um, actual mask that Mike Gianelli wore. Well, yeah. Um, originally in the Ninth Circle, it's a different prosthetic. So the first time art appeared, it was a much more subtle prosthetic. So the cheeks weren't as uh, 
pronounced, like his nose wasn't as pointy, his chin, and he didn't have those really sunken in eye sockets. But when I redesigned it for the Terrifier short film, I just wanted him to look a little more intense and a little more like a, a witch or a devil. Um, even like the comic book Joker was a bit of a inspiration when I was redesigning it. And I also wanted to throw in a little bit more of a zombie look. So I gave him the sunken in eye sockets. Um, but so then even when we went to terrify the feature though, I tried to redesign it for Dave. Um, I think I re-sculpted it and then we put it on. It just did not look the same as you know, he did in All Hallows Eve. So I was like, we just have to use the same prosthetic I made for Mike Gianelli's face. And we still use the same mold, <laughs> the Mike Gianelli mold. So, yeah. Man, it's yeah. it's incredible. Because, you know, again, as somebody who watched All Hallows Eve probably three times before Terrifier came out, that's one of the first things you look for. Like, think of the uh, all of the, like, pop art made of Michael Myers masks, right? Yep. They're all different, and some of them are fucking awful yeah mm -hmm. and it's one of those things where it's just when you're like a franchise horror fan you tend to like i don't know you just eat devour this kind of shit but yeah. now i i mentioned franchise horror because now we're you know we're here with terrifier 2 and that's always a tricky one for fans because we're like where are we going now and sure. man congratulations on the turnaround with the crowdfunding i me and oxana again we were there early and then we were blown away. What did you end up doing? Like 300 times your goal? Something crazy like that. I mean, we tried to, um, I think we set it at 50 and in under 24 hours, we hit 225 or something like that. Yeah. Which was a huge eye opener because I, you know, again, we, the first terrifier Indiegogo, we didn't even hit our goal. I think no. the goal was $15,000 for the first terrifier, maybe. And now we surpassed it almost instantly. So yeah, we hit our like, goal with less than an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe. Oh my god! And again, and it was something where we didn't have a huge outlet to just reach a bunch of people all of a sudden and be like, "Hey, we're doing this Indiegogo thing." And it just kind of just—I don't know—they were just the fans were out there and they were just ready for it, and it just kind of clicked really fast. And that was a huge eye opener. And that's when we knew, wow, maybe we really do have something with this character. I mean, I always believed in this character since the short film. When I made Terrifier the short film, that's when I really knew I had something special with this character, but I never knew to what level. I mean, even when I made Ninth Circle and he was first introduced, I thought he looked awesome, you know, mm -hmm. right off the bat. But I didn't know where he was going to go or anything. He was just in the first two minutes of this short film and then he was out of it. And everybody just kept saying, dude, that clown looks insane and he's so creepy and freaky and you have to do more with him. And I just got that note across the board. So I was like, all right, I'm going to, you know, enough people are telling me this, I have to pursue it. And then he really developed in Terrifier. And that's when I really fell in love with the character when I decided to make him a slasher. And I started to really discover his personality and how sadistic I was going to make him as a killer. So it's been cool, man. It's been a cool journey. But every time we make something with him, the fan base grows just a little more and the hype grows a little more. So that was, you know, a little intense going into part two because now a lot of people are starting to put him on a pedestal and you have people yeah. putting getting tattoos on him of, the, of his face on their body for fucking the rest of their lives. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, how do we, we cannot let these people down. Like it was, it was our mission to deliver something. Listen, part two is not going to work for everybody. It's impossible to please everybody. But the one thing I knew I could swear to you is that we were going to swing for the fucking fences. Like you were going to leave this movie at least saying I, there is no doubt that these guys gave it their all. I mean, so. Well, well I plus felt, you, had, you had a little bit more scratch to play with than you thought you were going into it. <laughs> a lot more. We put every penny of that yeah. on like every penny to, to use. Hey, um, I don't even think we would have been able to make the movie that we wouldn't have. I could tell you flat out. We would not have been able to make the movie that you could watch right now without the fans giving us that money. There's just, exactly. there's, there's um, no way. Yeah. So Oksana was giving me hand signals when I was talking about how much you made it by. How much was it by? I turned your mic on. It's like 430% more. God damn. 430 yeah. times the goal. It's fucking Not, incredible, man. That's pretty wild, man. That's testament to the fans, dude. Yep. I mean, that's it's unbelievable. All right. Well, that leads me to my next question. Uh, let, let me set this one up a little bit. Oh, so God. All Hallows Eve, we're a little under a 90-minute runtime. 
Then we move into Terrifier. <laughs> We're a little under a 90-minute runtime. Then we get 430% our Kickstarter goal. And we enter into Terrifier 2, and we're at two hours and 18 minutes. Is that directly because of the money? No, not even, no, not even close. <laughs> Dude, no, I no. love it. No, 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 no. Now, we, never, the- so we never questioned runtime or, or anything. That was just the organic story that I wanted to tell. Because most horror movies, even Terrifier, even though it's, sh- it's so short, it's like just around 80 minutes. There's still filler in Terrifier. Terrifier is like, all right, we need to fill time in order to get to the next kill, basically. For me, there is no filler in Terrifier 2. Every scene that I wrote is literally pushing the narrative forward. You're learning something new about a character. Something else is introduced. This this mystery is revealing itself and so on. And um, yeah, I mean, this was just the story that I know I needed. I knew I needed to tell. And I really wanted to incorporate really dynamic characters uh, at least with sienna and jonathan in this one that the audience can get behind protagonists this time because it's really more about sienna's journey on this one just as much as it is art's supernatural journey they're both going on a pretty supernatural trajectory in this film so that was the most exciting part to me but yeah man it wasn't until i got to the editing room and i saw what the runtime was where i was like oh fuck (laughs) people are gonna have problems with this um you know, but again, I was really just more concerned with telling the story that I wanted to tell. And it wasn't like, you know, fuck the audience. I mean, they'll just take whatever I can give them. That wasn't my mindset because once I saw how long it was going to be, there's actually scenes that I never even edited that we shot. We spent days of our lives shooting. And I said that this scene, it does not move this movie forward in any way, shape or form. So I'm not even going to bother editing it. So there was like four scenes like that, that never even made the the cut just to even see how they play. Um, so, God. Yeah. Hey, okay. Well, let me tell you, as an audience, as a uh, fan of franchise horror, particularly slasher films, it, it's a little terrifying. Because, I mean, imagine if Halloween 5 was two and a half hours. It'd be like, sure. fuck you, dude. I just want to watch you kill some people. And right. I think what you're worried about is that you'll get a lot of talking and a lot of, like, you know, a characters hanging out who you will never know their name. And they'll right. die and you'll you won't even care. Yeah. And so when we were when we were gonna sit down and watch the screener, we got our coffee ready and I'm like, all right, let's buckle up. Like we're gonna do it. And man, I did not feel I I don't know, I don't know what I would expect. I guess you might feel robbed of time or something, but there is so much fucking gore in your movie. I love yeah. the visual imagery of like a Valkyrie going up against a Mr. Punch. Yeah. I just I and let me tell you this. So, you know, we work, we, we work day jobs, right? And I was going into work today, not particularly happy about it. And I came downstairs and Clark was watching Terrifier 2. We have like a theater in our front room. We have a projector set up because we watch too many movies. And <laughs> something about walking in and seeing David naked in a laundromat. At 730. <laughs> yeah, that wakes you up. No. It, dude, put a smile so, on his face. Man. <laughs> It put me in like the perfect hollow. It calibrated me for October. And I do. You're welcome. It made me so happy all day. And normally waking up and seeing you does the complete opposite. I but no, <laughs> I, I mean, I want, I was so excited to tell you that. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I know, I know I tend to uh, get overly excited about films like this, but I think you did uh, incredible work here. And the thing that when, when a crowdfunding goes so far beyond their goal like you did the thing that audiences get worried about is that you're just going to take that money and make the movie you would have made anyway oh right and i guarantee that did not happen here i honest i honestly thought you added an hour a movie i was like holy shit he made money i was like let's do more then let's let's use it all (laughs) so dude i i seriously I mean, like I said, every single penny of that went into this movie, just building sets. I mean, whatever we could do to make – there were a lot of sets in this movie. I mean, Sienna's room is a set. Ali's bedroom is a set. The Cloud Cafe is a set. I mean, these are all things that – It's still rolling. (laughs) Even still, we had the biggest budget we ever had, right? That's still a minuscule budget. It's like an unacceptable budget for, for a movie. It's still so low. But we were able to stretch that money because we had like a core group of nine filmmakers 
who were just really doing everything imaginable. I mean, we built all those sets, you know, with our own hands. I mean, we, we built all the makeup effects. It's not like we were hiring crews and teams to come in. Like all of that money went to materials and went to, you know, makeup materials yeah. and uh, materials to build these sets and things like that. Um, so the movie looks big, bigger and better because of that money. Um, I don't think we added any scenes, but we did reshoot, we, we did have the ability to reshoot things that didn't come out good the first time. And we did that a couple of times. We reshot three scenes um, wow. that are significantly better because they just didn't, they, you know, they didn't come out to my liking uh, originally. So yeah, that money, it was a godsend. It, it would not be the same movie you're seeing. There's no doubt about it. Well, I'm very thankful for the Clown Cafe. <laughs> so, so now, stop now, on by. <laughs> now, Damien, stay with me now. Uh, yep. Are you familiar with the concept of a ghost kitchen? No. Okay. So, what a ghost kitchen is, is it, it sort of spawned from the pandemic. And you'll see it sometimes on like a, a food delivery system where a lot of celebrities now. Um, will rent out kitchens at like an outback steakhouse and make whatever they want to out of that ghost kitchen that was shut down during the pandemic and would, you know, deliver their own food. So essentially, you know, they could have 500 branches all over the U.S. because they just ship them the supplies and then they just do it. So I'm thinking we do a clown cafe, ghost <laughs> kitchen, or like a little art installation thing. I like it. Easy, yeah. easy. A pop up. Play on words. You can do a pop up of the Clown Cafe. Clown Cafe is still standing. I'll tell you that. So we could sell Art Krispies there. Oh, the Art Krispies are great. Yeah, I, I, my, my, we've talked about this. So it would be a great idea for like the cereal. Like when you add the milk in it, it turns the milk like red or pink, like blood. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, yeah. That would be so cool. Now, what That's was the name of the other cereal? That was just a plain cereal. Oh, uh, Wacky Jacks. Wacky Jacks. I like those two. <laughs> wacky Jacks. I like Wacky Jacks. Of course, that would be your two fun, fun little fact. You do hear me talk in um, Terrifier right. too. Where? But not as art. I, I'm the announcer for the the you, Art Krispies. Mr. Mr. Art Krispies. <laughs> That's my voice. Dude, he has a good voice for it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah, David, you're being underutilized. (laughs) I know. That's the irony of it. I do over 200 voices, and I'm known for being a silent character. (laughs) Think of how ridiculous ridiculous this is. Like, I know he's the man of a thousand voices, and I knew I was going to have to hire somebody to do that voiceover. And I just reached out to him and I'm like, Dave, can you do this voice real quick? I need a, I need like a, a I need something to fill this spot until I, until I hire an actor to do this. Like yeah. I need a, a space holder. And then he sends back that thing. I'm like, of course. I'm like, it's fucking, I'm, of course I'm going to use this. I'm like, it's fucking really <laughs> knocked it out of the park. But it was just like, it was just going to be a placeholder until I got somebody else. But I mean, he killed it. It's fucking fantastic. Yeah, man. Uh, it's a fun <laughs> Easter egg too. So it's like, I've, I've had people, cause they, they release a little bit of that clip for, you know, for publicity stuff. And I've had people like, wait a minute, is that you? I'm like, yep. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. Love it. God damn. Well, David, were you at all like worried when you saw how long the script was going to be this time around? Oh God, not at all, not at all. I was excited, I because I love the script. I was like, oh my God, this is an amazing script. It's just like, it 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 addressed everything that people had issues with with the first film and then some. And I was like, oh my God, this is gonna be amazing. I loved it, and it, it wasn't just the stuff I was doing. I was I was giddy over the stuff I was able to do, especially since he he wrote some really fun scenes for me just to play around in the environment and stuff like that. But it was like, I was really happy that he really wrote just a kick-ass protagonist because that was my main thing. It's like art needs a worthy adversary going forward. It's like, it just can't all be about art. We have to have someone else that can be a, a, a good foil for him. She's great. Yeah. yeah. So how are, how are you doing with this like new horror fame? I can only imagine what your DMs look like. David, I, I'm sure you get weird, interesting messages all day long. So please tell us about all of them. Oh, I've gotten some interesting ones, definitely. Definitely. I, I've seen some things I wouldn't expect to see sometimes, too. It's just like... It's better than having none. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I, I try my best to respond to everybody, too. So I was like, you know, because... I, I know eventually it's probably going to get to the point where I just can't do that because it can get so overwhelming at times. But I'm like, I, I, 
it's the fans that have made us what we are. So I'm, I mean, I, I feel like that's, you know, part of my duty to them. It's like, you, you guys have gotten us where we are. So I'm like, I, the least I can do is at least say thank you. Yeah. And you know, I mean, honestly, you're, you're incredibly good about it. Didn't you do the mad monster party in Arizona? Mm-hmm. That was and our w- first one. Yeah. Can you, I know Clark has no idea what I'm talking about. Can you explain what you, uh, what they ask of you when you participate in something like that? Oh gosh. Yeah. I mean, like we usually we're, we're at the tables, you know, signing autographs and stuff like that. Then I usually do my photo op as art as well. And that, that takes a little while because that takes a few hours collectively for me to get in makeup, do the photo op and get out of makeup. So I'm missing a lot of time at the tables and stuff like that. But like I do it fully in character as well. So I, cause I, I want the, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to be like so many other photo ops I've done in the past with other celebrities and seen with other celebrities where it's just the, Hey, that guy, Hey, that guy, I like to give them the art, the con experience. So I don't talk at all. I'm totally just interacting and goofing around with people. I love when people come in with their own ideas for things too. That makes me so happy because it takes stress off of me having to come up with a different shtick to do with everybody. So I'm like, Hey, we've had people come in and bring Saran wrap in so I can like, you know, Smarter them. I've had people do the stint, do the headstand for the hacksaw, and they bring in their own hacksaw and stuff like that. It's oh like, man! It's like do whatever. I'm. I'm I've had people do uh, get engaged, and I did a whole routine with the guy um, where I was going going down on my knees to like do the whole ring thing, like in the first film, and then he pushed me out of the way, and <laughs> he does it, and it went off so well. It was like that kind of stuff. I love those kind of moments, and I. I even even when I'm not doing the photo ops, I love to just interact with people walking out in the hotel lobbies and stuff like that. Even if they're not the the fans or the convention, it's just a. I, I I've scared so many people that weren't there for the convention and they're just waiting in line to check in and I just stand behind them in line and they don't know I'm there and then I honk the horn and they're just like what the and then they see me and they just jump out of their skin. It's it's amazing I haven't gotten beaten up yet. <laughs> Well, you can't beat up a cartoon. You'll just yeah. come back. Man, that's, that's true. Incredible. You know, thank you for not talking because I hadn't thought of it. But if you were in full makeup doing the whole thing and then you're like, hey, thanks. Nice to meet you. Oh, yeah. I feel like it would pop that illusion. Oh, kind of. Yeah. That's right. It would. Ma- mascots can't talk. No, man. Can't. no. no oh. it's, it's, it'd be yeah. so weird. It would be so just jarring to hear. It'd be like Barney the Dinosaur coming up to you and instead of, hey, how are you doing? Being like, sup, kid? How are you doing? <laughs> you got a smoke? Yeah, exactly. But how, so you, you're doing that all day? No, no, not, not the costume. I, I just do that for the photo op. Then I change, come back to the, the table. And okay. then I'm myself again. Because that way I can't talk to people because I, I want to interact with the fans sure. as much as I can too. Well, there you go. Half and half. That's the way you yeah. do it. Yeah. And then we usually do the after parties as well. We we like to hang out with the fans. And so we've made so many good friends just through yeah. the after parties, I, I would say too. It's like it's Yeah, we have we have friends that we met at conventions who are literally so close to us now. They came down to the premiere in Austin as our mm-hmm. guests at Fantastic Fest. So it's that's amazing, man. That's one of the most special parts of this entire experience is the people mm-hmm. we met, you know, working on the movie and outside the movie. It's been wild. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, yeah, hey, at least you got the horror community on your side today. Yeah. Tomorrow, who knows? They're a fickle yes. bunch. They really are. But hey, no. we're enjoying the time we have with them. That's how I look at it. Right. No, no. <laughs> Y'all are there to stay. Like you're Agreed. you're a part of it now. Like even here's the thing the horror community they are rough and they'll probably talk shit it doesn't matter though you're you're there forever now and um before we let you go i just i actually you know what's a testament to that is that you're going to be uh premiering on Screenbox, right exclusively that's yes. how you can see yeah, our buddies over there so how, how did that all work out so we sent our sales agent to the can film market uh to just shop the movie around and um yeah she had she had told us she's like you know i had these people come by today they seemed really interested they're going to come back and they want to you know they really want to talk seriously about acquiring this movie and then sure enough like 2 days later i get a phone call from my buddy steve barton uncle creepy he was the guy who championed 
Terrifier 1 uh, for Epic. I mean, nobody wanted that movie at all. And he was the only person to see it and be like, dude, this is what everybody who likes Terrifier thinks of Terrifier. Like, that's how he looked at it when he first saw it. Like, he saw the future. and uh, But nobody wanted it. He convinced them to do it. But long story short, he wound up calling me for while we were shopping around part two. And he goes, dude, he's like, a buddy of mine said he just saw Terrifier 2. I'm like, how did he see Terrifier 2? And he said, well, he's uh, he's working for this company and they're at Cannes and they just saw it. And they think that this is the horror movie that, you know, the horror community needs to see, that this is the movie they're all waiting for. He's like, they are so excited. They're going to just do whatever they can to try and acquire this movie. And like, he was so excited. I was like, oh, wow, that sounds, and it turned out to be the same company that our sales agent was talking about a couple of days earlier. And then, yeah, just immediately is Cinedime and Screenbox, bloody disgusting. And they loved the movie and they were just so far, this has been like the most amazing relationship we've had with them putting this movie out there. So supportive of it and so supportive of the integrity of it. Like people would see the runtime and say, that is ridiculous. We're not taking that. We're not releasing that. They would see how hardcore it is and say, this is way too violent. You have to trim this down. Like they knew what this movie was and they knew what the fan base wanted and they were just all for it. And I had, no hopes of this movie ever reaching a theatrical release this big for this budget this movie this long not rated almost a thousand screams is is virtually unprecedented it's really a a wild experience and they're just really pushing that and they're still more theaters and now it might be a drive-in chain might take it it might be playing in a bunch of drive-ins from now until uh november so, I mean, every day it's just, it's growing bigger and bigger and getting crazier. So this has been wild, really, really wild. I just really hope that people get to, they realize how rare this experience is and this opportunity to see a movie like this in the movie theaters, not rated and everything and this low budget. So I really hope people get to see it in theaters with the audience because it's a, it's a really cool movie to see with an audience. Such an underdog story that we have going on yeah, too, because yeah. like we're, we're taking on the giants of the industry at the same time in a lot of ways. We're, we're well, again, doing something that's never been done before. Yeah, and again, there's no another testament to the fans. There's never any major marketing behind these movies whatsoever. It's all just word of mouth. It's really all word of mouth. And the fans just pushing it and posting about it and guys like you doing these podcasts and getting the word out. That's really where the popularity comes from. We don't have any marketing machine behind it whatsoever. Well, Damien, that's why you're, because your movie's fucking cool, dude. (laughs) That's what happens to cool shit. (laughs) I appreciate that. You know, word out on the street, man. We're the punk Um, rock of horror. That's it. You are. Oh, uh, that that usually would cue in Randy, but... uh, (laughs) But uh, Rush, you got anything else before we let these boys go? No, I, you know, every time you think there's like proof in the pudding, just how this movie will never go away, this character. And, you know, we start from just being accepted into the Pantheon to having a 430% overage on a Kickstarter to honestly, we had um, Alex, the broke horror fan, come on here and he was talking about Screenbox. And I, you know, we watch a lot of horror movies and I'm thinking, there's no room. You already have Shutter here. There's there's a lot of free things on YouTube. And then I was like, what do you got? You have to have something big, right? And then he said Terrifier 2, and I said, oh, shit, you could do it. The pH of the room changed. So you know, <laughs> oh. if you need more proof, I, I literally think, you know, how Freddy, like uh, New Line Cinemas, they call it the house that Freddy built. Screenbox might owe you a life if if people start subscribing to it. So... That I can't think of a better testament to a, a film. Wow. So well, maybe- that would be that would be an honor. But also, listen, listen. I hope it does for them, and good on them because nobody else, you know, looked at this the way they looked at it. Yeah. You know, you would think yeah. people were just banging down our door saying, you know, oh, this you yeah. have the next Freddy Krueger. You know, it, well, it's not that easy. It's really not. Yeah. And and they took a huge chance on us, like a really big chance. So I, I really want. I really want to deliver for them just as, just as much. Like I owe them, we owe them a lot. So they took a big chance on us. I think it's just because they ha- truly have their pulse on yeah. the industry of the, this genre is like, it's they're outside of that Hollywood system where it's just, you know, okay, we'll just keep recycling the same thing and over and over and over and over again and not take risks because we know this is safe and this will work. Mm-hmm. 
right. it's like right. they're they're willing to take that risk because they know this is what's going to keep this genre going forward instead of just stagnate. And I yeah. think the the horror community is going to pick up on that because you know if 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 something is thoughtful, it's 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 moths to a flame. You know, I, especially now when when we are just inundated with garbage <laughs> and so you know when you find something good you stick with it um yeah but- so if you're looking forward to halloween ends you're a poser go watch terrifier 2 <laughs> i stand by this right we, we, love, we love halloween we love halloween <laughs> i'll never i'll never trash michael myers you know those are my my heroes you know i so but listen if people like terrifier more it's can't, yeah, can't hurt. Can't it hurt. is what it is. Time for a crossover. Yeah, I don't see a, I don't see a Michael Myers uh, head. What over are you there. going through? Puberty? What's happening? I told you. That. I, know. <laughs> I, I love you guys. Thank you for hanging out. And I totally meant it when we started this. That you're probably going to be way beyond us next time around. So uh, no, I appreciated this time. Definitely not, but I appreciate that, man. But we appreciate you guys, and uh, thanks for having us on. Yes. This was fun, uh, really fun, and you guys have obviously great taste in films. So, <laughs> and it, it's always nice to meet a new relative. So, David, yeah. yes, family. Nice you didn't you. Uh, walk away knowing you're related to George Washington. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somehow, somehow, you know, it's just like you never know. And his and his mouthful of slave teeth. So, yeah. <laughs> do you all do you all have more podcasts you're doing today? No, this is our. I think our last one. Last one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Good. Oh, we, we're always we're like, always the, the ender, last one. Dude. I don't know. I love. It. All right. I hope it wasn't too painful. I love you guys. Uh, uh, likewise, guys. Yeah. yeah that's yes. best. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, Facebook at The Overlook Hour, and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye. <laughs>